Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. The Jeep Talk Show. Now two episodes a week. What? Two episodes? Okay. Yes, that's right. Two. Are you excited? I'm always excited when it comes out on Friday. It's actually a go-to podcast that I can actually listen to while I'm heading over to work or on my way home. New episodes every Friday and early Monday morning and time for your commute. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, we keep reminding you guys week after week, a show after show, to uh, remember to mention the Jeep Talk Show. Uh, on social media, uh, whether it's Facebook, uh, hell, I'll, I'll even take Pinterest. You know, Don S. Uh, tried to uh, blackmail me into getting on uh, Pinterest because uh, he he actually f- uh, signed up for TikTok. I said, it doesn't work that way, Don. I'm not interested. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Come on, leave the jokes to Nikki G. <laughs> exactly. Because, yeah, no. The bad ones, anyways. So yeah. the, the JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that is also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com. Hello, Jeeper. I'm Josh. And on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I've got some Jeep news that will leave you shaking your head. I'll be talking about OC Jeep Week, and I've even got a recipe for survival. And howdy, it's Wendy, and make sure you check out Newbie Nuggets on our Friday episodes. I talk about all kinds of topics for the newest Jeepers. Hey, it's Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and on this episode of Jeep Life, I broke my Jeep, and I share some lessons about living in the moment. I'm Tony, and uh, I got a new bumper that I need to put on, and, uh, well, you know, you it may be on, painted, and everything, by the time you hear this episode. So stay tuned for our next episode and our Gladiator segment to find out more. Hopefully, I won't report that it's peeling too. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Yes, they can go off-road. No, this is not what they mean by that. <laughs> Jeep's off-road performance is legendary. There, There is no question. The reputation precedes itself. And when behind the wheel of a Jeep, one gets an itchy trigger finger to point that sucker to the nearest obstacle and just go for it, right? But I think the driver of the Jeep in this story was looking for a different kind of adventure. It was a wrong turn, the driver told officials, that caused a white Jeep to end up on the tunnel tracks near the southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority, or SEPTA's, 37th Street subway surface trolley station at 5 a.m. Saturday morning. Disrupting service on Five trolley lines for three hours. Oh, my god! Way gosh. to go, Jeeper. Way to go. 
SEPTA surveillance showed that the Jeep had entered through the 40th Street trolley station open portal at the intersection of Baltimore and Woodland Avenues in West Philadelphia. This is where the theme song to the Will Smith TV show Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> runs through my head endlessly. In West Philadelphia, born... Anyways, uh, yes, when the Jeep was exactly. discovered by the station staff over three full city blocks from where it had gone underground, the driver was in the vicinity and cooperated with officials. But by the looks of the pictures released online of this incident... There was no amount of good driving that could have saved this Jeep from getting stuck. Crews worked on or worked on it for two hours to remove the SUV and another half hour after that, inspecting the track and the tunnel for any possible damage. As the time of this episode's recording, no charges have been filed. The oh transportation agency said that this was not the first time a vehicle had gotten into the tracks, actually. Back in December of 1965, a brand new, at the time, 1965 Ford Mustang had to be removed from the tracks after a woman oh, had accidentally no. entered the subway surface tunnel at the same entrance at 40th Street. <sighs> we will, of course, have pictures of the classic Ford as well as the current Jeep stuck on the tracks in the show notes for this episode at JeepTalkShow.com. So I don't know. If so, you, this is kind of old, but I don't know if you guys have seen the the picture of the the damaged. Uh, I think it was a Toyota Rav. It was damaged because it hit a wall. And on the wall, this blank, flat wall, there was a tunnel drawn on the wall and a roadrunner no. road no. painted right next to the hole. That's perfect. <laughs> I love that. So I, it reminds me. Roadrunner. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of this, like the coyote had painted the tunnel. <laughs> but, oh, but it was actually a real tunnel. No, it wasn't. Um, it was just a drawing. This, in this case, at least it's a real tunnel. So I'm wondering if there's that's something I mean. that's sucking people in, uh, part of the, the tunnel reference there. But uh, No, I... I've seen some, you know, like Google Maps, uh, Street View images of this. I, I guess I could see kind of if you were like not paying attention at all. Well, if you were drinking, you could look at it like that. Possibly <laughs> some inebriation involved, sure. Uh, but it is very clearly marked. Uh, I don't know how you could how you could miss it. Uh, and then, let alone drive for three city blocks yeah hello Why because don't you i mean i'm looking at the pictures <laughs> and and from the railroad tie surface like where the actual yeah. streetcar uh would ride on the rail surface to where the ground is looks to be in some places in excess of 18 or 24 inches yeah there is no amount of wheel travel that would have kept this vehicle moving forward they are very much high centered on the track and like every fourth railroad tie is the only one that goes clear from one side to the other. So there's these giant pits that are like the size of a vehicle for all the tires to fall into. So I don't know how the hell they made it this far to begin with, let alone being on a railroad tie the entire time. And there had to have been sparks. I, I would have to think that the oil pan is gone at this point. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but no, there, there is, there's a lot of questions involved in this. But the pictures... Uh, the pictures are, are worth a, a thousand words. Well, and the, the only question I have is if this has happened before or it's possible to happen, why don't they put like a train arm down, you know, that the right? the subway comes through, he could put it up and then he goes by and he puts it down so that at least cars couldn't go in the tunnel. Or maybe this doesn't you know, happen a little mechanism often. attached know. to the track that, that only yeah. the weight of a train on the track could yeah, trigger, exactly. you know, I'm Nope. I mean, how, much like any other railroad crossing, as the train approaches, exactly. it automatically does it. Exactly. Same could be applied here to prevent this sort of stuff from happening. And clearly, 
has happened uh, multiple times. So uh, even as as early back as 1965 with the Ford Mustang, uh, clearly yeah, the tracks so. look a lot different back then than they do now. Yeah. You know, uh, well, I I agree with you, Josh. I mean, why go forward? You should back up because everybody knows if the train runs into you in the back, it's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> Can, he rear-ended me. I, don't can, know you, I was just sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Minding my own business. Mm-hmm. Well, thousands of Jeep owners will be rolling into Ocean City, Maryland next week. It's all part of the 2021 OC Jeep Week. The hub of the event is at the Roland E. Powell Convention Center, and, and that's where they're going to have an expo and a vendor village. The whole event is designed for the participants, for the enthusiasts, and the 4x4 community as a whole. And if you don't have a Jeep, well, you can still buy a ticket and come into the parking lot and check out all the off-road offerings from companies that sell everything for trucks, Jeeps, and other vehicles as well out there that are all off-road savvy, as it were. For the Jeep community, the Sunrise Beach Crawl is a mainstay. Vehicles will stage up at the Jolly Roger and crawl 2.5 miles south from 29th Street along the shore break all the way to the inlet parking lot. Jeep Hmm. Jam is also back, a top-level course at the Mays Sport Complex in Pittsville. Jeep Jam is open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursday through Saturday, so be sure to go check it out. Newest event in this year's event is the Kicker Sand Course, a meticulously crafted set of obstacles right on the beach. It's an exciting roller coaster-like ride in your Jeep. You get out on the sand, they design a course where the Jeeps are able to go up and down and over these things, uh, these whoop de doos and all that sort of stuff, and these massive sound mount, sand mounts mm. to give you some elevation change. Sounds like a lot of fun, actually, especially yeah, for the kids. Yeah, it does. OC Jeep Week runs August 26th through the 29th. That's right around the corner if you're listening to this episode as we record it. If you missed it, no biggie. We'll have a link to the event's website where you can get details for future events. That sounds like fun. I want to go. Yeah, it does Maryland, sound like a lot uh-huh. of fun, and this this is a a, uh, a big event that's been around for, for a number of years. Uh, they do it every year, so if you'd miss it this year, uh, as it is just literally uh, within about a week or so of as we record this from when it's going to happen, uh, no big deal. There's going to be another one next year, so be sure to check it out. Well, Jeep has revived yet another nameplate, since Jeep's new branch owners don't have any more originality than the previous Italian parent company, apparently. The Commander is coming back, but certainly not as we once knew it. The regurgitated name badge is for a compact three-row crossover based on the updated 2022 Compass. So, not only is it nothing like the original Commander, following suit to the previous iconic name badge regurgitations, but it is also based on a completely different vehicle. Way to go, Jeep. <laughs> Jeep's new red-headed stepchild was unveiled on Tuesday in Brazil, where it will start sales on August 26th. Production will also be handled in Brazil, specifically at Stellantis' plant in Pernambuco. There we go. The all-new commander. Yeah, right. <laughs> the all-new commander is confirmed for sale in Latin America only, though. It's probably too small for the U.S. with the current market demand for larger and mid-sized SUVs, so don't expect it here right away. But that's not to say we won't see a version of it here in the future. But sales performance will likely dictate that. For now, Jeep has introduced the mid-sized Grand Cherokee L in the U.S. market for those who need more seating but can't afford the luxury of the full-size Jeep Wagoneer or Grand Waggy. Two, uh, two different powertrains are going to be expected in the Commander's launch. The range-topping option is expected to be a 2-liter turbo diesel rated at about 200 horsepower. Not too shabby. The alternative is, is expected to be a 1.3-liter turbocharged gasoline four-banger good for about 185 horsepower. 
neither of these powertrains will be available in the related Compass that we will get here in the United States. The Compass here is offered exclusively with a 2.4 liter gasoline engine delivering a measly 177 horsepower. No wonder this thing isn't very fun to drive. In other <laughs> markets, the Compass is offered with a plug-in hybrid powertrain that relies on a 1.3 liter gas engine up front and an electric motor in the rear. A different combination. Pretty interesting, actually. A version of this powertrain is expected to be uh, eventually be offered in the Compass here in the States as Jeep plans to electrify its entire lineup. Now, note, Jeep also sells a model known as the Grand Commander over in China, though. It's also a compact three-row crossover, but it's related and based off of the Cherokee instead. Okay, now I'm completely confused, and I think they're doing this just to piss me off, actually. <laughs> I so. was going to say, absolutely. They do listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, you mentioned Compass, and it re reminded me of something that happened to me last week. I was uh, uh, fueling up the uh, uh, 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, uh, which, by the way, you guys need to pitch in. Uh, I've been paying, all the, pay, paying for all the fuel. Um, oh, right. But <laughs> it is sure, the cheap yeah. talk show. Send us idea. the bill. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I was uh, I was uh, uh, pumping gas and uh, getting the app out so I could keep up with my mile per gallon uh, measurements and stuff. And uh, uh, this this guy in the, the gas lane right next to me on the other side of the pump started talking to me, and I, I noticed that he wasn't even parked properly to get gas. He had come off of the road and pulled into the gas station. So he could ask me what a Jeep talk show was. <laughs> well, awesome. That's okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I told him and he said, uh, I said, yeah, it's a, it's a podcast. I said, you know what a podcast is? Yeah. I says it's a podcast. We've been doing it for, for quite a while. And uh, he, uh, uh, he was driving, he mentioned he was driving a Jeep Compass. And I said, no offense, but we don't really consider a Compass uh, to be a, uh, like a Jeep for what we talk about on the show. And he goes, he kind of laughed. He goes, I don't either. This is my wife's. <laughs> oh, I like this guy. He, uh, he, I like he said, I had a Grand Cherokee, uh, and I think he was talking like a WJ type uh, era type okay. thing. And he said, but I lost it during Harvey. Apparently, uh, and I wasn't very far from home, but apparently he was in an area where uh, the, the water got up to like four feet deep. So he lost oh, his, no. his Grand Cherokee a few years back. Anyway, his wife was very interested in getting a Jeep Gladiator. So there nice. was, it was twofold. He wanted to know about the, uh, the, the show. And I came within a hair's breadth of forgetting to give him uh, a, a sticker and a car. Yeah, I just, you, I'm not used to it, you know? Um, you have to be. You're, you have, you're driving a Gladiator that has a I name know. on it. You need, it needs to come I, with a full kit of stickers I, I, and I, I tried, cards. I tried Seriously. stopping him, and uh, he was taken off, so I pulled out the gun, did a couple of warning shots. He pulled over immediately. God. <laughs> said, I forgot. Here's the sticker. He was, he's, I think he wet himself, but now he has the, has the proper stuff. I did not fail. All Good. right. Glad to hear that. Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, if you are the gentleman who uh, met Tony and was fired at, be sure to let us <laughs> yeah. know by phone or by email. <laughs> Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. Oh, my gosh. I may have hit the compass, but I think it improved the, uh, the, the reset. Right. That makes sense. Coming up in Tech Talk, do you overland or wheel in the wilderness? We continue our multi-part series on personal preparedness when recovery isn't an option. Well, you just walk out is what you have to do. 
Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys for free for how many years now, and I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes. You know, just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you give back just a little? Now, remember, we are going to have a Jeep Talk Show event, the Jeep Talk Show Texas event on September 18th. Josh is going to be flying out. I did find out that uh, uh, Tammy will not be able to make it. And yeah, uh, neither will neither will be Paul. Paul's coming to Dallas, but he can't make the uh, the extra three hours oh, no. from Dallas oh, to uh, Marble shoot. Falls. So. Oh. But uh, but anyway, uh, unfortunately, that uh, that's what's going on. But it, this is important. You need to become a paid subscriber very soon because we have money to get Josh to uh, the Marble Falls location. <laughs> yeah, but we can't get him home. But not back, guys. <laughs> I need to ride not... back. So if anybody's uh, you know going from Texas to Oregon, uh, I need to hitch a ride. So he he's adamant about wanting to actually go back home. I told him it's beautiful out there, and you, you could just stay there for for as long as it took. So anyway, he's yeah. been trying to get me to move to Texas for ten years. So I, it's it's just yeah, I I. I I'm fully expecting to be kidnapped, people. <laughs> <laughs> Never to be heard from again. <laughs> Where's Josh? So anyway, go over to JeepTalkShow.com and become a paid subscriber right now. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I realize that not everybody has a significant other that enjoys wheeling with them. I know Wendy and Bill enjoy it together. Tony, when I've seen the videos of you in the Gladiator, you seem to be flying solo. And so I got some advice for the ladies out there to uh, help them understand their man a little bit better. I compiled a top three list of advice for you ladies out there to help you understand your man a little bit better. Number three. Yes, you have to tell us three times to do anything. The first time we didn't hear you, we were daydreaming about something. The second time, we didn't think you were serious. The third time, we get the message. If you ask us to do anything a fourth time, that's just asking for trouble. Because we get the point. There's no reason to ask us a fifth time. Number two. Christopher Columbus didn't ask for directions. And he did all right. He's even got his own white sail named after him. (laughs) That couldn't be a racist joke if you want it to be, but it's not. Number one. Ladies, we love it when you tell us when you have an orgasm. But please, don't bother us while we're at work with it. All right, that's my top three list. (laughs) That's not why I'm calling, oddly enough. I'm calling to tell you that Wendy, my lovely wife, not the uh, lovely co-host, although she could be my wife being a co-host, not necessarily Wendy, the co-host being my wife. And that's starting to make my brain hurt. But back on track, Wendy said I don't respect her privacy. Yeah, well, at least that's what she wrote in her diary. (laughs) (laughs) All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. And you have a good one. Bye. Nikki G out. That was awesome, Nikki G. That was awesome. Thank you. (laughs) That was a good one. That was a good one. (laughs) Oh. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? 
have answers. Oh, that's good. It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Well, in episode 505, we left off with knowing a little bit more about personal preparedness and the beginnings of what one may want to have on hand to be prepared for wilderness wheeling or overlanding, in the event something goes horribly wrong, at least. Now, this is, of course, taking into consideration that you are, one, alone, two, outside of cell cell service, and three, leaving your unrepairable vehicle behind to seek civilization and or some help. And since we all don't carry a mountain bike with us every time we go out, we can also assume that you will be hiking out on your own two feet. And it was in episode 505 that we went over just what you will need to protect and treat those feet. Now we move on to dealing with the only other things that stand in your way of recovery. Time, hydration, caloric intake, and communications. The only thing that is out of your control is time, and there's not much you can do about that. So, you can occupy your mind while you trek out by calculating the amount of distance you travel in a given time, and by knowing where you are in relation to where you're going and how far you have to go. Getting into distance, rate, and time calculations isn't something we will go into here and now, but having this forehand knowledge may come in handy down the road. Now, hydration is something we only briefly touched on, but it's also one of the most important, uh, well, also one of the most important. In the last Tech Talk, I mentioned the versatility of today's modern hydration packs. They're lightweight, they're meant to be worn on a long hike, and can definitely carry other useful supplies. A hydration pack, for those who don't know, is like a small backpack that has a separate compartment for a bladder-like device that can hold a certain amount of fluid. This bladder often has a hose and a mouthpiece attached to it that is routed along one of the straps. In some packs, the compartment is insulated to keep the contents of the bladder from getting too hot. Know this, though. Even hot water is better than no water when facing dehydration. Now, we don't have to start thinking like Bear grills and be trained on how to extract water from a couple of twigs in a shoelace or drink our own piss, but we can be pre- still be prepared for a multi-day hike if that's what it comes down to. Now, hydration packs need to be kept clean, so don't keep this full at all times and treat it like a bug-out bag. You prepare your Jeep well enough for a trip out, this pack can be prepared and ready to go faster than you can roll up a sleeping bag. And the last thing you want to be dealing with is a bacteria-filled bladder when out in the wilderness. Now, regardless of how uh, capitally important hydration is, you still need calories to burn to get you out of this situation. Energy or protein bars can be a good go-to solution, but take into consideration these have a shelf life. So if you only go out once or twice a year and don't use these supplies, they can easily be forgotten about, spoil on a shelf, or in the pack, and that's money wasted. Let's not waste money on preparedness and think long-term if you don't already have a constantly rotating supply of energy or protein bars in your house. Here's a more long-term solution that is easy to make, cost-effective, high in both calories and protein, contains essential nutrients, and has an incredibly long shelf life. And it all starts with peanut butter and oats. Take a half jar of peanut butter, fill the other half with regular rolled oats. Not the quick or the instant stuff. That's garbage and isn't the best choice for this. Oats are a good source of protein, dietary fiber, thiamine, folate, pantothenic acid, riboflavin, vitamin B6, and niacin. In other words, they're chock full of all sorts of good stuff that's good for you. Oats are one of the world's healthiest foods and have been cultivated for thousands of years. Here's a pro tip. Leave a little bit of room for some other things at the top. I like to add dried fruit. Dried fruit also lasts for years, if not decades, has high nutritional value, and provides essential nutrients as well. Think of things like apricots, dried cranberries, or raisins, and other small, easily chopped up dried fruits to create your own concoction. Sweeten it and add even more calories by adding some honey to it. Honey, too, has an incredibly long shelf life and is is a great way to add some sweet yet healthy flavor to the mix. 
want to boost the protein even further, add some protein powder to the mix. Don't go too far here. You don't want to make concrete, nor do you want to uh, want this to be all chalky. Uh, warming the peanut butter just slightly will help with the job of mixing all this together too, but don't boil it or nuke it too long. Another tip is to stay away from glass. Don't get cute here and make a hundred of these things in little mason jars thinking that you've got it all figured out. You'll be figuring out how to not die as you pick the shards <laughs> of broken glass out of your only survival food if that jar were to ever break. Now you have a full, sealable, and easily transportable, not to mention storable and shatterproof, survival food container that can be added to any grab-and-go scenario. A couple spoons and one of these on your next road trip will have you thanking me later. Now on the next Tech Talk, we, we wrap all of this up and address communications as we wrap up this multi-part segment in self-preparedness. This is such a great idea with the uh, peanut butter and the oats. I never thought about that, but it's so easy to do. And you're right, so filled with protein and good stuff. Yeah, you'll be hard-pressed to find anything in your supermarket uh, or, yeah. or even health food store that will no, be anywhere remotely close to this. And besides, the stuff that you do find at the stores is going to have all kinds of artificial stuff in it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, you know, low-grade ingredients at best. And not to mention, you're going to have a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, stuff in there as far as, you know, stabilizers and, uh, and other things uh, like preservatives and, and other stuff. All kinds of stuff you don't want to be putting in your body. At least not yep. on a regular basis anyways. This is all natural. You make it yourself. You know exactly what's going into it. And, and besides, it's going to be good for you and it's going to last a very, very long time. Well, and I also like the hydration pack. I mean, we have these on the quads when we do off-roading um, and out in the desert. So I never thought about just grabbing it at some point on the with the Jeep, you know, and having it there as a backup. It's such a great idea. Thank That's you for this. That's exactly what it is. It's a, it's just kind of like insurance. It's, you know, you, you're likely not ever going to need it. You're likely mm -hmm. not ever going to get into it, but to have it there is going to yeah. make all the difference in the world if it comes down to needing it. So, Josh, I don't have any future information on the on the segment. So, if this is going to be mm -hmm. covered in a future segment, forgive me. Uh, have you uh, considered uh, making uh, pemmican? Pemmican, I know that one. Is that isn't that uh, like corn based or something? Wait, no. Well, I just pulled it up here because I wanted to make sure that I at least had a sh uh, a good shot at pronouncing it right. Uh, pemmican is a mixture of tallow, dried meat, and dried berries that is used as a nutritious food. Historically, it uh, was an important part of uh, indigenous cuisine in certain parts of North America and st is still prepared today. This stuff lasts like a long, long time. And uh, so when you were talking about this, I was thinking, oh, this is, sounds very sim similar to the pemmican that people, the Native Americans would uh, carry pemmican around uh, to, to eat while they were on long hunts and, and so on and so forth. I mean, this is a very old uh, thing. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, 1700s, you know, 1600s. Made with, you know, uh, lean dried meat. Uh, pounded fine and almost into a into a, um, a powder, almost into yeah. powder, you know, if you will. So I mean, this is good. Uh, what you're talking about is 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 akin to almost beef jerky uh, in a sense, but have other things with it, you know, animal fat uh, yeah. as well, and and that sort of high, stuff. That high energy, uh, the stuff that very you would be very high protein. Yeah, uh, for for what the and what you're talking about the the pemmican uh, to make that. Um, it, it will last a long time as well and would be just as good for you. Uh, can easily last for a year to five years or, or, or more wow. in some cases. <clears throat> um, uh, but, you know, taking into consideration, uh, they were finding honey in the Great Pyramids. So it, 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 you could still eat it today. Uh, so I, I guarantee you that pemmican doesn't have that quite uh, of a long a shelf life 
Um, and you know, oats can be stored for 25 years without losing any sort of nutritional value whatsoever. Um, and you know, pemmican can't do that either. So, uh, although pemmican is uh, an alternative to this, uh, it would be a, a distant cousin uh, to what you know I'm talking about, and it would ha- be something that you would have to rotate on a yearly basis uh, in order to keep fresh and, uh, and and useful. But good stuff, Tony. Thanks for bringing that up. I I, I hadn't thought about the pemmican uh, honestly. That was, it was one of those things that kind of uh, uh, gets lost in the in the. Oh, there's so many there's so many things out there. I just saw a YouTube video about it, and uh, it reminded me of uh, of it when you uh, were talking about your stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, and, and regionally wise as well, this may be something that, you know, in your region just would, sounds gross, uh, and, and you would go for something completely Oh, it definitely different. sounds gross. <laughs> 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 that's, that's way too healthy for Tony. We got we got to get yeah. some meat and fat in exactly. here. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did not say melted cheese or garlic, so. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Good stuff, though. Well, if you have anything to add uh, in the meantime, be sure to uh, let us know. Uh, if you have a question or a topic that you would like covered here on Tech Talk, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. And hey, really quick, some upcoming topics that we're going to be working on here in the coming episodes uh, as we uh, as we keep moving forward is going to be things like um, uh, possibly uh, how to repair your hardtop uh, on your Jeep if it has cracked. And also, I've got a, uh, a DIY shackle keeper, uh, a D-ring keeper uh, that, that anybody can do uh, that I'll be talking about here in the coming weeks as well. So a lot of really cool stuff coming up in Tech Talk, uh, but don't let them dissuade you from, uh, from submitting your own topic or a question to Tech Talk as well. All right, people, let's bring this meeting to order. We've got a new member with us. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, uh, hi, everybody. I'm Sid, and I've been sober for 42 days. Hi, uh, Sid. Sid. Do, do you guys know about the Jeep Talk Show? Oh, come on! down, Sid. Now go have a drink. The Jeep Talk Show. We don't specialize in that kind of recovery. Oh, man, that's rough. <laughs> that's one of my favorite promos. I love I that love one. I love that one. That's so good. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Tony, Josh, and Wendy. Oh, I'm so sad. My Jeep broke this past weekend. The driver's side shock mount broke off. It had been broken before when Neil took my Jeep on Engineer Pass while I was visiting my kids in Maryland, and he just welded it back on. It was holding pretty good. I even wheeled it again on Engineer Pass, and it held. Well, this time it came undone again. It was the bracket that came with my lift back in 2016. The company has since upgraded that mount. It was just a dirt road I was on, a dirt forest road. However, it was horribly washboarded. I was going pretty fast trying to keep up with the Mitsubishi Eclipse, minivan, and Grand Marquis. You might ask, what in the world were those cars doing off-road? Well, it was the Gambler 500 Colorado. The Gambler 500 is a mostly off-road rally-style navigational adventure using cheap, impractical, or fun vehicles. It's a two-day event held every year in Colorado. They do have some of them in your neck of the woods, Josh. I believe up in Oregon. I think that was the original one where thousands come out for that. The general spirit of the gambler is to take a beater or an impractical vehicle and punish it over 500 miles of back roads, off-roads, and some pavement. This year, the Gambler 500 Colorado was here in the valley where we live, so we signed up. 
We were working really hard to get our new 1942 flatty up and running for last weekend's event. Guess how much we paid for that flatty? Are you guys sitting down? So, in July, when True Patriot came to visit us, this guy stopped by our shop. He had a storage yard, and this Jeep was sitting in it for over a decade. The owner paid first month's rent and then never showed back up. He was in the process of building it and had a whole bunch of new parts in it as well. So the storage yard guy was asking $40. Yes, four zero. We gave him a Benjamin and said, keep the change. Can you believe it? It's such a cute little Jeep. We did a spring over axle and put 33-inch Nexon Rodian MTX tires on it. We finally found a distributor of Nexons here in the valley. Woot, woot. Well, we were getting close to the deadline and we weren't going to make it. So we took the J4000 Jeep truck to the gambler. I was just the media chase vehicle. I technically wasn't participating. We arrived Friday night to an open field of tent camping right next to the Colorado Gator Farm. Yes, there are alligators here in Colorado. One is the Happy Gilmore Gator. There was a bonfire Friday night and some adult beveraging. Then early Saturday morning was the driver's meeting. They give you the waypoints, latitude and longitude, and you head out and try to meet all the waypoints. To prove you made these waypoints, you take a picture of you and your vehicle at the waypoint. The vehicles participating were from all spectrums. There was a Scooby-Doo painted minivan with the top cut off, a Volkswagen Beetle Bug, a Rubicon. Nope, that Jeep for sure was not under $500, but they are pretty loose with their rules. It's all meant to be fun, and the other portion of the race is a trash cleanup. We had a great time. The best part was meeting new friends, camaraderie, and helping get the broke-down vehicles back up and running. The best part was to pull out repair parts from my Jeep and get that look of, what the heck? You're a girl. I showed them some recovery items some of them had never seen before, like the soft shackle and a tire repair kit. Josh, I pulled out the tape that you shared a while back, too, for one of the repairs. I have posted two videos so far on YouTube. One of the flatty, and the other is part one of the Gambler 500. Just head over to YouTube and search Jeep Mama. We only made it through day one. I didn't think it was a good idea to keep running with my shock hanging. At about 40 miles per hour, I got to experience the death wobble. Plus, Saturday night was another bonfire with adult beveraging, and some in our group had just a little too much beveraging. There was also a tractor pull of sorts. All those testosterone macho drivers like hooking up their vehicles to a tow strap and finding another vehicle to, to attach the other end of the tow strap to and then put the pedal to the metal to see whose vehicle is the badass one. It was hysterical watching grown-ass men being so silly. It was a fun experience and I would love to do it again. Isn't that what life is all about? Experiences, not stuff. Which brings me to my life lesson learned during this Jeep journey I've been on the past eight years. Live in the moment. It's been a hard lesson for me to just let things go and enjoy the moment I am in at the time. I was able to do just that with my youngest son, Ben, when he came to visit me here for about a month here in Colorado. My time with him is short, so I savored every moment with him. I realize there are some things you think you need to get done right that minute, but you really don't. Just because you have a to-do list doesn't mean you need to do it. Dishes can wait, laundry can wait, but time with your loved ones can't wait. Living in the moment means letting go of the past and not waiting for the future. It is living your life consciously and aware of each moment you breathe is a gift. Be present in the moment. It doesn't mean not to have plans or goals for the future. Those are good. But enjoy the present, the here and now. 
Next week on Jeep Life, I will share some upgrades I have done to my Jeep. Well, Tammy, thank you for sharing the uh, Gambler 500 and your whole experience. It's such it's really a great idea to uh, step up and do one of those kind of runs. One day, maybe we'll be able to join you and do that. It sounds like a lot of fun. How does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories. So contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. If you're driving a Jeep with outdoors and you don't have foot pegs, we probably can't be friends. <laughs> this is one of those incredibly affordable and incredibly easy modifications, or upgrades if you will, that will change your life. Like the discovery of the rear view mirror flip. Relax and enjoy the breeze as you ride with your doors off, legs stretched all the way out, and your foot resting very comfortably on a foot peg. This particular set of foot pegs are more of a platform, actually, and have over 1,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. They're made from stainless steel with matte with a matte black powder coat finish. Comes with a rubber pr- bumper to protect your Jeep's paint. They are CNC cut for a durable one-piece and very accurate construction. It has an anti-skid strip and a patriotic American flag design that helps keep your feet from slipping off the pegs, especially in muddy and wet conditions. There's no extra drilling or modifications that are required, and the product mounts directly into the bottom door hinge after your door is removed from the Jeep. Uh, these are from X-Brite USA. They are based in Chino, California. And for $19.99 and free returns, I'd say this is definitely one of those must-have items. You know, there's something they don't talk about uh, in the advertisement for these things on, on any of them, not just these, but any of them. If uh, if you're wearing a nice uh, pair of loose-fitting cargo uh, shorts, you get a really nice breeze when you got your foot yeah, hanging out. That breeze can also contain a bumblebee. And if you've ever heard about a bumblebee fly up your shorts at 75 miles per hour, <laughs> well... You might you might not take your doors off ever again. There may be swelling. So think of the bonuses. <laughs> Oh, no. This particular set that we'll have a link for in the show notes for this episode is for the 2007 to 2018 Jeep JK or JKU. And like I said, only costs $19.99. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to encourage Tony's bad behavior online by commenting on one of his posts. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Fast and Furious? More like slow and curious. Think Snail Trail. Podcasting since 2010.